give him a warm Forever House welcome. One, two, three. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Brad. To the person next to you and say, go Hawks, have a seat. <laughs> to the person on the other side and say, go Cowboys. And Oh, I just lost the crowd. Okay, awesome. Uh, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Great to see you. Uh, it's a great thrill uh, to be here today in your new building, and um, I'm a little bit nervous today because uh, it's the first time I've ever preached at uh, Forever House. Uh, <laughs> uh, I preached a couple of times at Forever Church, uh, but never Forever House. So uh, great thrill to be here, and um, it's just uh, already, as I said, um, well, as uh, Pastor Brad said, uh, been here a couple of times already, and such a great honour to uh, come back again. I have it on good authority. He's going to keep getting me back till I get it right. And uh, so praise God. So hopefully today is the day and uh, great to see you all. And awesome. Why don't you take your seats? Praise God. Psalm 37 uh, verse 4. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I'll read that again. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Back in the 90s, uh, there was a Swedish rock group uh, called Roxette. And uh, they had a song that is still played on easy listening music stations right now uh, called Listen to Your Heart. Uh, some of you may know it. Uh, I know that Prophet Julie knows it very well. Uh, <laughs> it <laughs> goes a little bit like this. Listen to your heart when it's calling for you. Listen to your heart. Anyway, that's the title of my message today called Listen to Your Heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Help us to discern your will, know your ways and obey your voice. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I grew up in church uh, my whole life, but I didn't become a Christian until I was 19. But even before becoming a Christian, because I grew up in church my whole life, I had my favorite verse. My favorite verse was Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Looking back now, I think the reason why it was my favorite verse was because I didn't understand it. <laughs> I thought it meant if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll just give you everything that you want. Uh, but that's not actually what it means. What it means is this. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he starts putting desires in your heart. He starts dropping them in, and they're the things that he wants to see come to pass. So what that means is that there are times when, if you're trying to make a decision and not sure what to do, there are times when you need to listen to your heart. That often the thing that God wants to see happen or God wants you to do is actually the thing that he first drops in your heart. So as a Christian, there is a time when we need to listen to our heart. Now, we need to have a bit of balance to this. It doesn't mean that automatically everything you feel or desire is automatically from God. We need to temper it and measure it against the Word of God. Because the Bible says there are such things called sinful desires. So if it's naughty, uh, then it's not God. You know, uh, it's not like, you know, I've just been feeling really grieved in my spirit about the banks and how they're charging, you know, overcharging so many fees. So I feel like the Lord is telling me that I've got to go and rob a bank. <laughs> no, that's naughty. <laughs> that's not God. But we do need to understand 
that there are times when you're a Christian when we need to listen to our heart. And one of the things I've learned is this. The longer you go on in God, the more you delight yourself in Him, actually more and more the things that you desire tend to be the things that God wants to see come to pass in your life. So I want to talk to you today about three times when you need to listen to your heart. Three times when in certain situations where we need to listen to our heart. The first time when we need to listen to our heart is when we're seeking the Lord's direction. Seeking the Lord's direction. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. There are times when, when it comes to direction that we need to listen to our heart. That actually the way we want to go down is very often the way that God wants us uh, to go down. And so we need to learn that there are times we need to listen to our heart. That is why sometimes uh, you'll notice that, well, all of us, we have certain passions and desires and, and even causes that we're very passionate about. And often that's a sign from God that that's a direction that he wants us to go in. Have you ever been passionate about something, about some cause, and got so upset that other people didn't care? And it's like, I am so passionate about this. Why is that? Well, probably because God wants you to do something about it, that that's a sign and direction from God. Uh, I love the letter of, oh, sorry, the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. It's like the ultimate leadership book in the Old Testament. It talks about a guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah has to serve the king at his table uh, and he would uh, serve the king his food. Um, one day before going to serve the king his food, he just found out uh, from, from uh, a friend of his, news came back that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, had remained broken down. It so upset him that normally when he served the king, he'd have a happy face, but he couldn't. He just looked sad. So he stood before the king and he was looking sad. And, and the king said, what's wrong with you? And he said, well, how can I be happy? I've just heard that the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down. So that set in motion a chain of events whereby Nehemiah um, actually went back to Jerusalem with the permission of the king and in 52 days rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem that had laid barren for years. Now that is a great work. The most powerful thing for me though about that whole story is the fact that Nehemiah already knew that the walls were broken down. When the news came to him that the walls were broken down, that was not new news. reason why we know this is because it was his boss, his king, that had commanded that they not be rebuilt. So he got passionate about something that he already knew. What happened? God was stirring him up. God was stirring him up his heart to get him moving in a certain direction. Uh, you can use this principle when it comes to... Um, you know, uh, in, in making decisions and different things that you want to do. The Bible says in Mark 11 verse 24, uh, Jesus says, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. Now, it's interesting to note where the comma is in that verse. He doesn't, th doesn't say whatever thing, those things that you desire, comma, when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. He doesn't say that. He says, whatever things you desire when you pray, comma, Believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. When you pray make, about making decisions, then what happens is desires come into your heart and that's the direction where God wants you to go. Prophetically speaking, using this scripture, uh, talks about when Aaron's leadership was questioned by the other tribal leaders in Israel. And so Moses said, okay, Aaron, give me your rod, your staff. And he asked all the other tribal leaders to give them 
give him their staves. He grabbed their staves and laid them out in the tabernacle before the Lord overnight. And when he came back in the morning, Aaron's rod had budded. And that was a sign from God that that man is the leader. In the same way, and we're thinking about this time of year, October, you're, some of you are making decisions for next year and you've got options and you don't know what to do and you're not sure which way God wants you to go. Start laying them out before the Lord and pray over them until eventually one of them will bud. And it's be, it'll be like, you know what, that's the way I want to go. I don't even know why I was considering these other options. That's the way my heart is wanting to go. When it comes to direction, we need to sometimes listen to our heart. Another time when we need to listen to our heart is when God wants us to give. When God wants us to give. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I have heard some people over the years use that scripture out of context as a justification for not giving. They've said, see, if you don't want to give, you don't have to give, not under compulsion. Well, you can't actually use that verse to say that because he says, so let each one give. <laughs> You're all going to give. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and he says, but you determine by what's in your heart. Not your head. Have you ever had a time when your heart wanted to give an amount that your head didn't like? <laughs> well, the Bible says we're supposed to give what's in our heart. Remember one time I was at a conference and uh, in the afternoon, uh, I wondered if they were going to take up an offering that night. And I was praying about what to bring in the offering that night and, and had in my heart this figure of $500. And I thought, okay, I better run it past my uh, wife, Trish. And I went over to her and I said, hey, babe, uh, I want to give in the offering tonight. She said, so do I. Uh, I said, what do you want to give? She said, what do you want to give? Uh, and I said, well, I want to give $500. And she said, okay, that's cool. How much do we have in the bank? I said, we have $100. She said, right, well, how are you going to give $500? And I said, well, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to... Now, listen, I'm not telling you to do this. This is just my testimony, okay? This is just what I did. And I said, so uh, I said, I'm just going to put on the credit card and throw it in. She goes, what? You're gonna, we don't even have the money. You're going to go into debt over an offering? I said, I guess I am. And she said, well, that's a bit unwise. Shouldn't we just give what we have? I said, okay, okay, let's do that. And so we said, let's give $100. That night I was emceeing the meeting. I was standing behind the person who was receiving the offering. And as they were receiving the offering, giving the message, it was like a big neon sign in front of my eyes. It said, 500, 500, 500. Then a little guy with a pitchfork jumped on my shoulder and said, no, don't do it. You don't have the money. That's crazy. 500, 500, 500. That's stupid. Five. And it got so strong. I just said, you know what? I just ducked down behind the, the speaker and I tried to get Trisha's attention. And she was kind of like ignoring me. And, uh, and once I got her attention, I said, and she's like, and I said, I said, get the credit card slip out. So she got the credit card slip out, filled it in. As a bucket came past, she dropped it in. And uh, as soon as that happened, the sign left and the voice remained. You're crazy. What you do that for? Wait till people find out. You're a pastor. That's irresponsible. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to walk down and pick it out of the bucket. I'll just leave it. <laughs> At the end of the meeting, I went out and for dinner. And when I came back to help with the cleaner, uh, one of the ushers came up to me and he said, uh, Pastor Ben, uh, we've got a couple of envelopes here with your name on it. I said, oh, okay, and opened the first envelope and it was $200 cash and opened the second envelope, $200 cash. Uh, 
the $400 difference between the 100 I had and the 500 I gave, God supplied right there and then. When it comes to giving, we need to listen to our heart. I better tell you another story to make my wife look better. Um, <clears throat> there's another time, another conference in the afternoon. I'm praying about what to bring in the offering that night. And, and uh, I felt, I mean, I want to be really generous. And I thought, you know, I want to give $700. And uh, we were trying to save up money uh, for a house, deposit on a house. And uh, we just left Bible college. We only had a couple of grand in the bank. And things were going slow. And, and, so, I, and so I thought, you know, I'm just going to... I want to give 700 I thought, better check with Trish. And I said, hey, babe, I want to give in the offering tonight. She said, so do I. I said, I want to be generous. She said, so do I. I said, what do you want to give? She goes, what do you want to give? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, what I want to give will probably be way more than what you want to give. Uh, so let's just give what you want to give. She goes, okay, I want to give $2,150. <laughs> I said, what? $2,150? I said, what? I said, that offends me on so many levels. I said, why, do that? why can't we just round it down? Why does it have to be so specific? How about two grand? 1,500. The conference doesn't even need it. I said, why do you want to give $2,150? And she said this to me. She said, well, we're believing for a house, and this is obviously a long time ago. And she said, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to open up the real estate guide, open up the real estate guide, and the kind of house that we wanted in this market uh, was uh, worth about $215,000. And she said, I felt the Holy Spirit say we've got to sell 1% seed to believe for a breakthrough. And I said, sounds like God. Okay. <laughs> so that night I went to the meeting and wrote a check. Remember those things, checks? <laughs> wrote a check and... Then they were receiving the offering up the front. They had the buckets up the front. And I remember as I was taking it up, I walked out and threw it in the bucket. As I threw it in the bucket, the, the check kind of lipped over the edge a bit. Started talking to me. <laughs> you need me, man. Don't do this. You're going to regret this. And everything in me wanted to just grab it and put it back in my pocket. But I couldn't because I was a pastor. I knew everyone was looking at me. So... <laughs> I went back and sat down. Then over the next month, our finances got worse. I remember thinking every day, gee, that $2,150 would be pretty handy around about now. Then one day I got a phone call. person on the other end of the line said, I want to give you uh, some money to go towards your first house. I said, praise the Lord, how much? <laughs> <laughs> they said, 14000 I said, thank you very much. And... Then over the next two months, we got given another $22,000, unsolicited, unasked for, uh, but I signed a contract on our first house, built our first house, and then sold it for two and a half years later for 150 times what we first sold. You've got to ask yourself, you know, where does that motivation to give come from? When I have the desire to give, what's the origin? Is the desire to give from my flesh? My flesh wants to give away money probably not is that desire from the devil the devil wants me to bless the kingdom of god probably not it's probably god it's not a natural desire and you can tell when god wants you to give because he will start stirring up your heart this is not just confined to offerings and that sort of thing this is actually also in everyday life. There are times when you're about your business, I've had this happen many times, and someone's just got my attention, and the Holy Spirit will say, give them some money. 
or you'll be out for lunch with someone or out for dinner and the Holy Spirit will say, just shout the whole thing. And there'll that be that desire and the faith is released at that moment to do that thing. Very often God will do that. And very often we're actually the answer to somebody else's prayer. You know, the Bible says in Luke 6.38, it says, Give and be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will men pour into your lap? Now, if you're like me, you put yourself in the position of, okay, if I give, people are going to give, uh, it's going to be given back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But who does God use to pour out into your lap? Other people. Have you ever been one of those guys? Have you ever been one of those people that has been the vessel used by God to be a miracle of supply for somebody else? I remember when I was at Bible college and uh, I was behind on my fees. And um, I remember they, they were threatening to kick me out, which is so funny because a few years later I started my own and had the same conversation with students. And because uh, I, I was so behind on my fees and so I, I was desperate. I thought, okay, I've got to make a deal with God. And when you make a deal with God, you've got to be careful. So uh, I said, Lord, uh, here's the deal. Uh, and I said, I'm not going to ask anybody, but if ever I get a gift of $100 or more, I'm going to tithe 10% to church. I'm going to give 50% to someone else. Okay, and I'll use the other 40% to go off on my fees. Wow, made that deal. All of a sudden, money was coming in from everywhere. And so I was giving away, obviously, tithing my 10%, which is my habit. And then I thought to myself, who? I'm going to give 50% away. Who am I going to do that to? And I thought, I might as well give it to other Bible college students. So what I would do is I'd take the money, I'd go to the college registrar, and I'd say, listen, put this amount off my account. Now, uh, who's behind on their account? And she'd tell me, I'd say, listen, put that amount off their account. So I did that for a number of weeks. At Bible College, on Tuesdays, we had a chapel service called Testimony Tuesday. So that particular chapel service was just testimonies of things that God was doing in people's lives. Well, for weeks, students would get up and say, I was getting behind on my fees, couldn't pay them. Then the college registrar said someone paid my fees. God paid my fees. And I'm sitting down in the back thinking, that wasn't God, that was me. But you know what? It was God. Have you ever been one of those guys? About your business. And the Holy Spirit will just encourage you to be generous towards somebody. You might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. When it comes to giving, we need to listen to our heart, not our head. The third time when we need to listen to our heart is when God wants us to minister to somebody. If you look at the life of Christ, very often before he ministered, he would be filled with compassion. He would be filled with the desire or the heart, his heart would go towards somebody. There's many times. Bible says, in, I'll just read a couple. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus went out, saw a great multitude, was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34, so Jesus had compassion, touched their eyes, immediately their eyes received sight and they'd follow him. He'd be moved with compassion and then he would move in power. It was almost like it was a sign that God wanted to do something right there and right, te- right, there and right then. You know, God does the same with us as well. That actually God has called all of us to be ministers. That God has called all of us to be in the ministry. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, God has called some to be apostles, some to be prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists, whose job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ministry is not what I'm doing right now. This is equipping. Ministry is actually God using us in our everyday life and going about our business and then our heart might be moved towards somebody 
or someone's plight might stir our heart, that is not a sign to go and call Pastor Brad to come and pray for him. That's actually a sign that God wants us to do something about it. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. I remember one time, Trisha and I were in uh, bed at night and it was, um, I don't know, it was probably about 9, 10 o'clock, something like that. And, and then I heard on the roof a cat meowing. Meow, meow. And uh, I thought it's on the roof. And Trish goes, Ben, that's not on the roof. That's in the roof. I'm like, no. And then we heard it scratching the ceiling. I thought, how could it get in? And then I realised earlier in the week we had a workman come and work on the, inside the ceiling, removed a tile, came back a few days later because he forgot to replace the tile and then replaced it. So in the meantime, the cat had gone in the roof and then the tile got replaced and now it was stuck. And Trish said, but we've got to get it out or else it's going to cook. I said, okay. And so we went over to the manhole and um, I sent Trish up. And um, <clears throat> cause it was better for the cat. Um, you know, she's a lot smaller than me and so she could fit in there. She's a banana farmer's daughter from far north Queensland, man. You know, like she, she's hardcore. So uh, she went up and, and she was crawling across and I could hear her going, here, puss, puss, here, puss, puss. And the cat was meowing and, and she called out to me. She said, Ben, I can't reach it. Uh, it had hidden in a crevice and was hiding from her and she couldn't reach it so she came back and so we tried to tempt it out and we put some milk and some cat food and that it never came across and so I thought to myself the next morning I woke up I said we've got to do something and I thought you know what we need to get a cat trap and some of you are like right yeah no not one that kills them but <laughs> catches them humanely and um, so uh, and so I thought I'll just look up in the yellow pages for cat traps and lo and behold there was someone renting out cat traps in the street I lived. And I thought, praise the Lord. God has gone ahead of us. He has made a way for me. He already knew ahead of time that I would need his help in this situation. So I rang up the number and there was a lady on the other end of the line. I said, listen, I want to hire a cat trap. She said, no worries, come and see me at this time. And, and I remember thinking to myself that the street we were living in was very long. And, um, and, was, and the houses were all quite nice. And there, but there was one house in the street that was completely overgrown, almost derelict. And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if it's that house. Well, sure enough, when we drove around, it was that house. I walk up the driveway, knock on the door, open the door, the gentleman comes out the front, he goes, yeah, what do you want? I said, oh, I'm here for a horror cat trap. He goes, oh, all right. I love, there's a bloke here for the cat trap. And so... I look, and walking down the hall is this lady, she would have probably only been in her 30s, very frail, walking with a walking frame. She comes up to me and I thought, what's wrong with her? I, start to, I said, listen, I'm here for the cat trip. She goes, oh, no worries, follow me. She goes to the back door and on the back porch there's all these cat traps everywhere. <laughs> she goes, see that one over there, grab that one. So I picked up, she goes, put it on my frame, I put it on her frame. And she's showing me how to use a cat trap. But the whole time I'm like, what happened to this lady? Why is she like this? There was a lot of people in the house at the time. And, she, and I said, how much is it? She goes, well, it's a $20 deposit, $5 a day. I said, no worries. I gave her the $20. And I walked outside. And when I walked outside, I thought, man, I wish I had a prayed for her. Um, I hop in the car. We drive home. We're setting up the cat trap at home. As we set up the cat trap, the cat walks across to the manhole. We pick it up and bring it down. <laughs> and I thought to myself, why did we go through that? What, what a waste of time. Why did I go? And I thought, oh, 
God was organising a divine appointment. So I rang up the lady and went back the next day and I said, and I knocked on the door and she was there. I noticed that she was in, there's one other, just one other lady and I think she might have been a nurse or something because I could see down the hallway into the, just the edge of her bedroom and there's like a, almost like a hospital bed set up there and that sort of thing. And, and so I walk in and I said to the lady, I said, hey, uh, I got the cat. We didn't even need to use the cat trap. She goes, oh, that's good. Uh, she said, I'll get you your change. I said, oh, no, it's all right. You can keep it. She goes, oh, really? She goes, that's a lot of money for us. I said, no worries, you just keep it. I said, listen, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what happened to you? She goes, oh, long, uh, many months ago a box landed on me and I've just been in this constant pain and I've been uh, crippled ever since and, and, uh, and it's just not getting any better. And when she said that, I had two options. Option one, oh, that's a shame. You should go see Morris Blackbird. I'm sure they'll help you out. <laughs> or option two which I took. Hey, uh, I'm a Christian. Uh, is it okay if I pray for you? And I thought she'd say, get away from me, you religious freak. <laughs> but she didn't. She said, okay. I said, all right. So just laid hands on her and prayed for her. I said, Father, I just ask and pray as you come and heal her. The presence of God came and then all of a sudden she threw away a water. No, she didn't. Um, <coughs> <laughs> but that's not the point of this sermon today. <laughs> Afterwards, after praying for us, I said, listen, um, our church has given out hampers to people in the community who might want it at Christmas time. I said, are you interested in having one? She goes, oh, that would be awesome. I said, one of our pastors will come around and talk to you. I was about my business looking for a cat trap. And then my heart went towards somebody. That's a sign from God that he wants me to minister to them. You know what I'm talking about, huh? We get it all the time. But what can happen is that very often, instead of stepping into it, we deflect. And then later on we think to ourselves, oh man, I wish I had done something about it. You know when God wants to use you, because your heart will go towards him. Our house got flooded in Brisbane floods of 2011 and we were out of our house for about 11 months. The week we moved back into our house, one of my neighbours, a guy named Russell, came over to my house that day, one, of the, one day that week. And it was during the day. And uh, I saw him come, and he'd never been to my house before. Uh, and I said to him, G'day, Russ, what are you doing? And he said, oh, he goes, Ben, I've got, uh, got this DVD for you. And I said, oh, what's that? And basically what had happened was he, had, he and another guy had rode out the Brisbane floods when the floods were on in their tinnies tied to a telephone pole at the front of their houses. Because uh, we've got a double-storey house by the banks of the Brisbane River and went a metre and a half through the second storey. So it was really... And they rode it out in their tinnies for three days. But they took video footage. And so then what they did was... Then what he did was he edited it, because none of us could see our houses at that time. It's impossible to go out there. He edited it, and then he did a DVD to show us what our houses looked like during the floods. So that was nice. So he came over and brought it. He goes, I've got this DVD I, I did put, um, put together for you. I said, thanks, mate. That was great. And I said to him, I said, hey, it's, uh, it was the middle of the day. I said, uh, how come you're not at work today, mate? He goes, oh, hurt my back at work a few weeks ago. Hasn't gotten better. Absolutely killing me. Having the day off today. Well, when he says that, I've got two options. Option one, oh, that's a shame, mate. Hope you got work cover. Or option two, hey, Russ, I'm a Christian. Is it okay if I pray for you? And he goes, oh, all right. And I thought, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Totally freaked me out because I thought he would say no. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, so I com it completely threw me. 
I forgot to tell him what to do, uh, so I forgot to tell him to close his eyes. Uh, and um, I didn't have the courage to put my hand on his shoulder. So I stepped back and I prayed for him, pointing at him like this. <laughs> I kind of had one eye open on him. And as I'm praying, I said, Father, I pray for Russell's back. Pray you make it better. In Jesus' name, amen. And then, you know, he looks at, he's um, looking at me the whole time like this. <laughs> and after I stop praying for him, he still stares at me. So I just stare at him. And I remember thinking to myself, this guy thinks I'm a fruit loop. <laughs> then after about 10 seconds, he points to our front la- in our lounge room and my sons were playing there in the lounge room. And he goes, you know, Ben, uh, I grew up in the kind of house that you're raising your kids up in. He said, I walked away from all of that. I've had a very hard life. Now that I've got kids, I think I want to raise my kids the way you're raising your kids. I said, oh, um, do you want to come to church? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and he did. He came to church. Uh, sometime after that, they rededicated their lives to the Lord. I remember they, mo- they left from our street. We visited their house unannounced. I remember when we walked in there, I could see kids' Bibles were there on the counter. They'd been doing devotions with their kids and all that sort of thing. It was awesome. I was just at home and a bloke dropped off a DVD. <laughs> in my heart. And that's a sign. Sometimes they do get healed and sometimes they don't. And um, people ask me, they say things like, why don't we see enough of the power of God? Why don't we see more of the supernatural in Australia? And you see people, they do courses and that's fine to do courses and travel overseas to see where God's really moving. And they want to know what the key is, the key to moving in the power of God. Well, I'll give you the key right now and this will save you a lot of money and save you a lot of time, Okay. Here's the key to seeing the power of God move in our nation. Have a go, mate. It's as simple as that. You'll never know till you have a go. Here's the thing. You're not getting them healed. You're not getting them saved. You're not getting their heart open. We've got one responsibility to have a go. That's why the Apostle Paul always said, I pray for boldness. It's just my turn to have a go. You know, there are times, occasionally, where people don't want you to pray for them. I remember one time I went to uh, buy a lawnmower for a guy at, from a guy at Ipswich at his shop and walked in there, he's complaining about all these ailments he, how he, that he's got. I said to him, oh, well, sir, um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to pray for you. I, I could believe God will heal, will heal you. And he said to me, he goes, oh, it's all right, son. I'm in the Lions Club. Now, I don't know what that means, but it's not my problem. My problem is to have a go, and you will know when it's your turn, because you'll be about your business, and then your heart will go towards somebody, and it's not a sign to ring pastor, and it's not a sign to pray silently. It's a sign to ask the question, and then let God do what he's going to do. Sometimes we prejudge people. We hold back our witness sometimes because we think, oh, I don't reckon they're open. You know, I, th- I reckon they're closed. So I'm not going to share my faith with them. And then other people that we think are so open, sometimes they're as hard as a rock on the inside. And the thing I've learned is this, you can't tell. So all we can do is have a go. And you know when God's calling you to do it because you'll be about your business and your heart will go towards someone. And you've got to make the decision, do I step in 
or do I deflect? You don't even need another night of evangelism. You can do everything God's called you to do. You can have a great family. You can have hobbies. You can have a life, have a great business, participate in church, and in the midst of all that, your heart will go towards somebody. And you've got to ask yourself the question, am I going to step in or am I going to deflect? This morning, I just want to pray over people where you are who are saying, you know what? My pattern has been to deflect, but I don't want to do that anymore. You know, there's no condemnation. You know, we've all been there. But you're like, and I know what it's like. You feel yourself, man, so frustrated because God's done so much in your, your own life and he's so real and he's transformed us so much. And we'd love to see him do something in someone else's life through us. And then sometimes we balk at the opportunity or, or balk at stepping in and just seeing where someone's at and, and then walk away later and think, oh man, I just wish I had done something. And sometimes that becomes a pattern. But you know what I've learned? That God can break that. That you can start stepping in and seeing God do incredible things. For some of you, there's going to come a time when you're going to sit on one side of the church, you're going to look over the other side of the church, and there's someone there, and you're going to give them a wave, and then you're going to realize, hold on, they're only here because of me. They're only here because I met them, or they're my friend, and I got to witness to them, and God was working on their heart, and we brought them here. We are God's method for seeing people come to know Him. We are God's method for seeing people encounter the presence and the power of God. We are His representatives. We are His ambassadors. That's real ministry. And so what I want to do is this. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, my pattern has been to deflect and not to step in. With every eye open and every head up. Because sometimes it's because of fear that's stopping us. And the only way we can break fear is to move in the opposite spirit. And for some of you, the very same fear stopping you from stepping in opportunity is the very same fear wanting you to just sit in your seat and just let this moment pass. But right now, if you're saying, I want God to use me, I know when my heart goes towards someone, but most of the time my pattern is to deflect and I don't want to do that anymore. If that is you, right where you are, just stand to your feet. I'm going to pray. And we're going to pray that God will help lift that off your life, that you will have a powerful witness. You've experienced so much of God, experienced so much of His goodness. And I know what it's like. Sometimes you feel like we've received so much and then it feels like that there's so much that comes out of us. But God wants to use us in our everyday life. Lift your hands to heaven, those of you who are standing. Pray this after me. Dear Lord, I thank you that you want to use me to see people encounter you. And I commit, Lord, that next time opportunity comes, I will step in and not deflect. And I thank you for the souls and the miracles that are going to happen by you through me. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your hands raised. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray right now for those that have a spirit of fear, for that to come off them right now. 
in Jesus' name. I thank you for that. I thank you that for some of you, even now, there's like a cling wrap that's been upon you. That's now just lifting straight off you. From others, it was like you were a greyhound with a muzzle on your mouth. It's like you tried to move your mouth and you couldn't. In the name of Jesus, right now, I just saw muzzles just lift off people right now. That next time you speak, the anointing will come upon you and there'll be a boldness like you've never had before. For others, the same intimidation is going to confront you next time. But if you keep walking towards it, it will you will eventually break through that and it will no longer come against you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Your word says you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that like the Apostle Paul prayed for boldness, I pray for boldness for every single person here. And I thank you for the testimonies, the miracles, the breakthroughs that are going to come to pass. I thank you for what you've done in their lives. And I thank you for what you're going to do through their lives. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You may take your seats for a moment. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Fuck it, I just ask you to close your eyes one more time.